Welcome to Golden Crabcast. Yes, welcome back. This is Manny Ruiz. And I'm Sergio. My trusty sidekick. <laughs> you don't mean that. <laughs> no, no, we're co-owners here at the Golden Crabcast. Yeah. Um, we are excited about this month. We are happy to announce that we are doing a month of podcasts for women by men. Us. There's going to be a couple women. Uh, we actually were going to get Vanessa. Vanessa to do this episode with us, but she had some emergencies, which, you know, things happen. We yeah. get that. Shout out you to know, her. But uh, shout out to Vanessa. We're going to have her on soon again. Um, today, we're, we went with the lowest hanging fruit. Um, originally, we were going to make it about actors. We we're going to make this episode about actors, female actors and ac- actresses. Yeah, Whatever. I don't know about the lowest hanging fruit. I mean, they need some appreciation too. Yeah, so I mean, well, I mean, lowest hanging fruit for like us to pick uh, topics of, you know, like. Right. So, um, yeah, I think it was better to do female directors since there's not. Yeah, so, many. and it was actually Vanessa's suggestion. So holler at your girl Vanessa for that one. So she, um, she said it would be a good idea if we did this. We agreed, and we this episode <laughs> is going to be about female directors. Female directors. Um, that applies to movie directors and TV directors. Movie and TV directors. Can you hear yourself back? Yeah, I could. I can't hear myself back. That's weird. Uh, you're not plugged in. I don't think you're plugged in. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll do it. Uh, what a way to start off the episode. I can't hear myself. Oh, no, I can't hear myself. Okay. You know what? You know what? Um, so, yeah, that, that, like Serge was saying, it doesn't apply to just film directors. We're also talking about TV directors as well. Um, you know, there's a lot of good ones out there that, you know, some were involved with Mandalorian. I, I got someone that I'm going to talk about from that group. And maybe some ones that you didn't know at first and you might learn something today because yeah. i definitely did researching this stuff uh really interesting um should we start off with the first beer let's do it to it buddy so the first beer is from north coast brewing company red seal l look at that it is water Malted, barley, hops, yeast, and that's all. Simple. So simple that was ingredients. yeah, simple ingredients that they just label out right there. Uh, freaking, I can't seem to find the alcohol value. The volume, I think, is six. It might be a six. Yeah. Um. I think it's in the red seal ale. I think it might be on the carrier, if anything. It might be. Yeah. Well, we have the carrier in the fridge, so I don't want to go. It's all good. Um, what do you think about the label? It's very it's simple. A five, it's a 5.4. It's a 5.4. Yeah, 5.4. It's simple. It's uh, very direct. It's a yeah. red seal. Check out the beer cam right here. Yeah. It's, that's what the beer looks like. I don't touch stuff at all. <laughs> Yeah, here's the... Uh, Malts and hopes are beautifully married in this copper red pale L. Copper red. That's what got me off guard. I was like, red? Okay. Yeah. I did a red yesterday at Eureka. It was pretty good. But... Generously hopped for a long, spicy... 
annulment. How do you say that word? <laughs> um, what does it say? Generously hot for a long spicy. Denouement. Denouement. What a word, huh? Yeah. Those guys really did it at North Coast Brewing. Um, independent since 1988. <laughs> since the 80s, baby. 88. Hell yeah. Uh, I've I love North Coast. I had yesterday. I think we had the the wheat ale. Was that North Coast or was that Hanger? No, 24? that was um, that was something else. That was Hanger, I think. Hanger. Okay. Hanger bait. Hanger I want to take a look at the color, bro. This shit. Alright, check it out. It says it's red. Is it red? Oh, it is. Look at that, huh, buddy? Oh, fuck. Feast your eyes on this, people. Look at that, huh? That's a doozy. A doozy woozy. Because it's doozies. Oh, dude, can we get a light up coaster? Uh, I'm pretty sure I can. That would be fucking sick. Yeah. We should make them. You should make them. I'm pretty sure That'd they made it. That'd be sick as fuck. Whenever like I need something that I don't know if it exists, I just type it in, and um, it usually exists. it usually does exist. And then I put this beer right here. Um, yeah, let's try it, right? Yeah. What are we doing? Cheers to the craft, to the lovely ladies in film. Yeah. Behind the behind the scenes, making it happen. If we, respect, we definitely need, you. yeah, we definitely need more of them. Yes. If anything, you know? they're just as creative as guys. So you know, we're gonna yeah, talk about. Yeah, you know, something. and and I think uh, the big thing about this is fucking glass ceiling, bro. You know. What do you think? Ooh, simple ingredients, um, little, almost like a metallic aftertaste, like copper, or something like that. This had it where I had copper. Um, copper is taste. You know, it's like a little floral, mm-hmm. just slightly, and it's just, uh, I don't know. It's refreshing. It's just, yeah, it's definitely refreshing. I mean, if, I mean, for, for, I mean, we're usually doing, you know, six percenters up. So yeah. I think doing like a 5.4, it's a little lighter. It's um, It tastes really fresh. It smells fresh. It smells fresh. It's really bomb. It's it's more floral on the smell than in the taste. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting that, um, that malt and that barley smell right there. Yeah, definitely um, malt. Very yeasty. Yeasty. Ooh. Yeasty, yeasty. Yeah, really bomb. Yeah, I really like good. The color is definitely a red ale. <laughs> it's fine. I mean, we red haven't numbers. done red ales, I don't think, maybe once? I think once, before? yeah. So, yeah, it's it definitely, was... it's like, it, it reminds me of that farmhouse, like that, um, you know, Lager Brewing. You know when was the last time we had a red ale? We never actually, Yesterday. like, um, released I did, it. I had one. What? Oh, which one? <sighs> the Doom episode. Off, whatever. <laughs> well, because we had a, we found the perfect beer, and it had like a Doom the game. Yeah, uh, it had like those type of graphics, and and it was the, a, like a blood. It was a red that L. Like, it was a red L. Cool, Doom. Man. Yeah, that shit was fucking cool. Look it up. <laughs> um, this one's really good though. North Coast. Fuck yeah. yeah. 
really really fresh beer bro the honestly i tried red l yesterday and this one kicks its ass for sure really? this is a lot better oh my god that's cool all right you well let's hop to it honey honey yeah honey honey oh i'm actually getting a little honey taste from this now that you're saying right right I, there's no honey in there I can tell but it's almost like a kind of yeah it's uh, on the lighter side really good alright honey alright buddy um, so what do you think man uh, who would you like to talk about first oh so it's my turn alright I mean we're, we're doing top twos right yeah let's go into top twos top You just really had to go that fucking loud, didn't you? You fucking asshole. Everyone's yeah, trying to hype this up. What the fuck is going on? Welcome to Golden Craftcast. Welcome to Golden Craftcast, where we blow your fucking ears out. <laughs> <laughs> and the blood goes into your L, and now you got a red L. Oh, dude. Oh, my God. Um, all right, dude. Go ahead. Start it off. Yeah, so um, I really had to go through a lot of... Uh, consideration and because there's a lot of like good choices um, a lot of uh, female directors that are coming into prominence and you know I wanted to talk about certain ones that a lot of people didn't like um, they don't know about but I guess it's important to like you know point out the ones that did actually have their name up there and the lady I'm going to talk about comes from a very cinematic royalty, if you will, family. And I am talking about Sofia Coppola. Sofia Coppola? Daughter of Francis, Francis Ford, Ford Coppola, Coppola, the winemaker. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now, the winemaker. <laughs> Dude, it takes years to, like, properly do wine, bro. That's He's like, oh, I'm done with film. I'll just move on to wine. I mean, he does live in, like, Napa Valley. And we still that. haven't so had just, his wine. Yeah, you're right. We should do was, that. Yeah, we should have had it today. We should right. do a wine episode at the end of the month. Yeah. We should. We'll do a wine drinking party. And yeah, we'll put... We'll have, yeah, we'll, we'll, put we'll have Ian's mom on because she loves wine. That'd be dope. And Ian can be on there, too. He'll love it. <laughs> That'll be a great episode. Ian has not been in our episodes. Dude, he's he's been... Shout out to Ian. He's watched us and stuff on, yeah, on the streams and stuff. He's like, bro, you guys got to talk more with the audience. It's like... Uh, Look, audience. Let's talk about Sofia Coppola. Yeah, let's so, talk about her. So, like, if you want to, like call out like oh what's the top female directors and you know like we're saying it's not, it's not that many but now there's more on the rise and the one that pops up is like Sofia Coppola you know and she's definitely made her debut in 2000 with Virgin Suicides and that's based on the book and I watched it last night and it was my first time watching it right and Right away, I already got some of the things that she... Because obviously her dad's a director, so he, she must have learned something from him or has taken something of him, you know? And there's definitely, like, ideas of, uh, like, American ideals, 
you know, American ideals, what it means to live in America, and, you know, Francis Ford Coppola makes a lot of those uh, type of idealisms, like, in his movies, especially with the Godfather films, you know, like the American dream in those films. And, of course, this is a film, like, that takes place in the 70s, and uh, it revolves around, like, a family that has, like, four um, daughters, and they pretty much are kind of sheltered they're very catholic and you know they're very they want to be careful how how they raise their children you know because in the 70s like i mean it's very nuclear family of course and you want to have those uh, ideals of america having to you know live out the american dream like you live enough um uh, in the suburbs you know with their white picket defense except in this case they actually have a iron fence which um, I'm not going to spell anything but just keep that in mind and you always got to drop those fucking hints yeah that's how I am I mean I want to encourage people to go watch movies you know like The Virgin Suicides and also besides like that movie I watched The Big Guild and I remember when that movie came out like I was kind of I was kind of curious to watch it I I think recently I didn't know it was directed by Coppola and when I watched it, I was like, like, I like the cinematography. Uh-huh. That's all I'm going to say, but no, I'm kidding. Honestly, it's because it's based on a, um, I think it's based on a book and it got adapted into, into the screen back in the 70s. And the male lead was actually Clint Eastwood. And this time around is Colin Farrell, which here's a little tidbit, but Colin Farrell, and Clint Eastwood have the same birthday. And I only know that because they share my fucking birthday. Oh, shit. Your like, birthday. Oh, fuck. That was a coincidence. I just remembered. And Your I was birthday's like, coming up, isn't it? Yeah, May 31st. May 31st, people. We're going to do a, an episode for Surge for his birthday. Thank you. It'll be cool. I think it lands on a Monday or a Sunday. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> just fucking with you going. No, it's all good. We'll find something out. Um Yeah, like I mean just based cuz I kind of saw the older version of that movie and is the basically the premise is like um it takes place in the Civil War and there's like a um I guess it would be like a manor. It's not exactly like a plantation or anything. It's just a little uh, place off like um, in the south. And pretty much uh, there's a bunch of women that live there. You know, they're um, older women there that teach like, you know, younger women. And they all address them as like Miss, whatever their first name is, you know. And eventually they pick up like a... They find, like, a soldier, and he's wounded, and, you know, he's just, like, they bring him in, and he's from the Union, uh, and, you know, he's pretty much like a Yankee, and they're from the South, and, of course, it could go political, and uh, throughout the whole movie, like, he's kind of getting a little manipulated, and a lot of them, well, most of them fall in love with him, you know? And in the so older how, version of the movie, typical. yeah, in the older movie version of the movie, like they actually were fighting against each other, you know. It's like picking up like a wounded puppy off yeah. the street. And I, 
it's it, it's kind of like you know that old traditional thinking of like oh you put a bunch of women in the same house and they're all bound to be all fucking crazy or whatnot and and this time around like uh, Coppola's version of the movie I was hoping they didn't uh, do that and it kind of did it but it didn't do it in that certain like point where I was like oh it's just a bunch of women fighting for the guy eventually the guy does like um, turn his true colors and then you know you're pretty much caring and you're signing with like the females in that um, in that movie because it's just a very conflicting movie really like for me personally what like you, it was what just do you think, like uh, did you learn anything about like her directing style or like um, there's some nods from like other movies that she's did mm-hmm. that were there and there's she definitely has like a theme of like um isolation or you know like someone that's like feeling kind of lonely or having not to fit in mm-hmm. in a certain situation especially with like Kristen Dunst because she's always like a recurring like actress in her movies and obviously they work well together that's why they're collaborating like um, I mean Mary multiple. Jane huh you mean Mary Jane yeah Kristen I'm sorry it's Kristen Dunst I don't know if I Dunst. said Kristen look at Dunst Look at how good this beer is, bro. It's still bubbly. <laughs> it's it's still all hopping. look at this. It's happening. It's live. Look at that, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mary Jane herself, and she's she's also been in like uh, Marie Antoinette. Um, mm-hmm. I, I forgot what year that came out, but it was like a lot of people. 2000s? Early yeah, 2000s? it was like the early. No, it was like late 2000s. Check Marie Antoinette movie. So she's always like a collaborator. 2006 movie directed by Sofia Coppola, starring Kirsten Coppola. Dunst, Jason Schwartzman, and Asia Argento. Also, Jason Schwartzman. The Schwartzmans. The Schwartz. They're their cousins. Uh, Sofia Coppola's cousins and he was I think in Robert was in the first it's, he was in suicide, um, sorry Virgin Suicides and I think she was in like a short film that she did before her debut film The Virgin Suicides and it's like 13 minutes no it's 14 close to 14 minutes long I kind of seen it but I've um I don't know. I I don't want to go over it because I need to rewatch it just to like explain it to you guys. But aside from that, like I definitely see like a lot of themes like of isolation and just like you know people having to um, trying to find their way in the world, you know. And in Lost in Translation, which is another movie with Bill Murray and um, Scarlett Johansson, is that where he's stuck at the airport? No, that's Terminal. Oh, yeah. That's Tom Hanks, actually. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, there's just so many movies. I feel like there's so many movies with, like, Bill Murray at an airport. (laughs) I think that's his theme. He's always in airports. He's always in airports. The guy loves airports. Uh, Bill fucking Murray. I don't think he was in an airport. But he's definitely... He played an actor that was... uh, in Tokyo and he had to do like a stupid ass commercial for like a whiskey and he's like fucking tired of it and I mean this is a pretty sweet movie and it's like it's a comedy it's not like hard laugh comedy but it's like you know a bit of comedy and a bit of drama and it definitely goes with like what she go, uh, her movies are about with like you know isolation when it, because it just it revolves around like him like 
this actor that was he's trying to like he's pretty much trying to like be a family man right or he's trying to you know be a better dude he's trying to be a good man and he's trying to be like a better actor he, like he doesn't want to be like in little silly ass like movies he used like, so it, it seems movies. like a lot of her work really dives deep into like human psyche and like the way communities Just, work like yeah. I mean in that movie it seems some like sense, that would be like the film community that she's trying to represent yeah and that's like, in that sense like she does understand like certain things when it comes to like especially like with the Bill Murray character he's like an actor and you know like how how does this guy feel so like alone when he's like the biggest movie star like in the world I don't know how he feels so alone you know and then he meets a woman who's like uh a photographer's wife that's like Scarlett, Johansson. Scarlett Johansson and you're also wondering like how does someone that beautiful is that alone you know and it's just like telling you like it's a universal thing that's like you know no matter who you are like you always you have to you could still feel loneliness you could always feel lonely and you have like a misunderstanding lonely <laughs> I'm Mr. Lonely that's what it's trying to get to Akon himself said it. He said it the best way. He has nobody to call his own. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know how I put up with you. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot of that, and you know, um, like it's just like a very humane um, theme that a lot of people would want to understand, and. Uh, Coppola is just like she knows what she's doing you know and a lot of people shit on her cause like The Godfather Part 3 and honestly like they're probably like oh she's Coppola's daughter yeah. give her the treatment well to be fair like um, Godfather 3 was actually gonna cast Wyona Ryder Winona Ryder and I searched her when we were testing yeah. out the Google and she couldn't she, she wasn't able to like um, make it and basically, like, he had to, like, do a last-minute change and just put her daughter in the movie. I mean, like, Sophia Coppola. How old was she when she She was 18 when she did that. Huh. And she actually... I mean, this is how deep in cinema she's been. Her first visual um, cinematic debut was in The Godfather. And Francis Ford Coppola's, like, first Godfather... And she was actually like um, the last scene where they were baptizing um, uh, one of her, one of her sisters like kids, and he was gonna be the godfather to him. That last scene, the little baby, that's Sofia Coppola. That's crazy. Yeah, bro, he totally exploited her. <laughs> He's and, like, use my baby. And, you can't get a baby. I got a baby. <laughs> Oh, I got a baby. We could use Sophie. Yeah, go ahead. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Get her in the like, shot. You can put her in the shot. Good. Put her next to her mom. This is oh, she's actually getting baptized. We're cutting costs. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like that. Yep, the studio's paying for Sophia's baptism. <laughs> you imagine that's how we went down. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely like that's it's the like, thing about those movies. Like you might as well it, just it, baptize. It's, it's, it's very funny because I, I feel like her her directing style kind of conflicts, and what she's attracted to kind of conflicts what his dad is about, which is about like he makes movies about the family. The family movies. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, he 
yeah there's families but it's also families with like conflicts and she definitely has that in her movies yeah. too you know like with Virgin Suicides it's like about you know like the good Catholic family that um, so clean pretty much wanted to like shelter their kids but you know honestly like that's if you shelter your kids too much like like no you have to they'll let come after you don't don't <laughs> And she's definitely saying something about, like, um, I'm going to butcher this, femininity. Hey, that wasn't too bad. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was going to be, like, femininity. (laughs) Femininity. (laughs) That's, like, the forefront of her movies, you know? And you definitely get characters, like, real female characters. Yeah. They're not two-dimensional. They're, you know, they have dimensions. And she tries to go deep and... And what she's trying to portray, or what she's trying to say in those stories, that she's trying to say. Shit. <laughs> but, you know, like, it's just, like, yeah, you shit on her because of The Godfather 3, but honestly, like, fuck that movie, bro. <laughs> they actually did a recut of that movie, and apparently that cut's, like, way better than that, than the original Godfather 3. This time they call it the Koda. Godfather, a Godfather Coda, the death of Michael Corleone, because that's originally what they wanted to name it and stuff. But I should really stop going on the Godfather things. I really like those movies, and I recently watched the second one. But we're here to talk about Sophia, and I mean, Sophia does definitely has talent behind the camera. You know, like she's. She's definitely some someone that's like to be well respected, and you know, most her movies are not per, most of her movies are not perfect. And when she does something really good, like you know, it really shows like the thought and the process behind it, and you, you really attach to like those characters, you know, like right away. Um, let's say like Virgin Suicides, you were on board, you know. And it's coming from like the guy's perspective, the neighbor, neighbor kids, the neighbor boys, the neighborhood boys that were like um, pretty much telling their story about like about these uh, girls, you know. And they they were all attracted to them, you know. And it was like sort of like a male gaze, but in a not a creepy way, but just more of like a. What about the humane. female gaze? The female gaze was extreme. I'm kidding. Um, um, can you get into this just so I could type in the chat our number if you'd like to call in? Because now we have, we're going to have a Google Voice number so you can call into the podcast. Yes, it's happening. Um, let me go to Twitch and post this number. It's right here. I know how to get to it. Yeah, I got it. Okay, cool. Go ahead. You can handle that. So. Definitely a force to reckon with. A force to reckon with in the film where, dude, well, you're you're Coppola's daughter. Like, come on. You're going to fucking. Yeah. I mean, not. I mean, you could be like a famous, like, director's kid and, you know, not have any talent. But, you know, obviously. That's true. Acting wasn't her talent, but directing definitely is. And she's still making movies till this day. And I think she made. I forgot what the name of the movie is exactly, but it stars Bill Murray again, and 
Mom's calling. My mom's coming. Do you want to have her on the podcast? No. <laughs> yeah. Um. She's definitely. Yeah. I'm just trying to finish this thing. So, final thoughts on Sofia Coppola. Like, she's definitely someone that has talent in directing. And she's definitely, like, one of the forefront directors working today. Uh, even till this day, not... I mean, she's like any other director. Like, they have flaws. And, you know, there's they definitely have, like, highlights in their careers. And... Honestly, like, is she gonna I'm make, so glad. Is she gonna make any more movies? Yeah, I'm so glad that she is director because I, her work is just like something to worth, worth be looking for, you know. So, that's me. What's yours, Manny? I was actually doing some research right now, a little more research about her. A little more research um, about her. <laughs> and this is a director that I saw in the back. Uh, the backlot segments of The Mandalorian. Right. Um, Mrs. Deborah Chow. According to Wikipedia, Deborah Chow is a Canadian filmmaker, television director, and screenwriter. No one can say it better than Google. Um, so she, she's directing The Mandalorian. She, she, right. She's one of the directors that they used on The Mandalorian. Um... She also wrote some of the episodes right. for Mandalorian. Um, she's from Canada, mm-hmm. and she's also won a lot of awards for two of her short films called Day Pass and The Hill in 2004. Um, they won several international film festivals. Right. So she's world renowned. She's a world renowned director. And to me, like what stood out the most and why I chose her is first off, she's Asian, which I don't really see one that many female directors two Asian female directors. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool that she was about her shit. Like you could just tell um, when, when she was in the interviews and you can go ahead and watch it, too. It's on a, it's on Disney Plus. Yeah, there's a few Asian female directors. And she just um, she was just like you could see her behind the scenes working with the actors directly and everyone was just like taking her super serious and she looked like she was in the zone when she was making these um different episodes and stuff like that and it's it's so crazy because like um these these types of directors like no one really talks about these directors and i feel like for a lot of women that are in to cinematography into film and stuff like that like it's it's good to know about people that you know can represent you represent your culture and represent you know good filmmaking and Mm -hmm. someone you could look up to and i think that deborah chow kind of does that because first of all it's the Mandalorian. It's fucking Star Wars. It's badass. Okay, it's it's kind of some people would consider it geeky and stuff like that, but there's lore involved, and like for you to go into detail and know all about Star Wars lore, she's kind of geeked out, and she's a geeky mom on that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So she knows her shit when she's when she's making these episodes. Obviously, you know. So it's like, and on top of that, she's working with Disney, making that fucking Disney money. Okay. You besides know? the Mandalorian, what else has she? 
Well, she's done um, several films, like I said, like the the two films, Day Pass and stuff like that. Have she's also them? worked on. I haven't seen those films, but I. He, she's also directed other TV. Um, she directed Snowfall, a couple, couple of couple different of episodes. episodes, and your favorite, Mr. Robot. Yeah, Mr. Robot. The first season, because in the first season there was like different directors, but after the second one. And you know what is? They're gonna actually. She's actually. Is also director for the series Obi-Wan Kenobi. For the upcoming one? Yes. Okay. So she's going to be the director for the Obi-Wan Kenobi fucking show. Yeah. So that's going to be legit. Um, so let's see. BBC. She, she worked on Copper. Uh, that's another show. Beauty and the Beast. Um, Murdoch Mysteries. Mr. Robot, yeah. Flowers in the Attic. I've never seen that one. Um, but, I mean, everyone has seen fucking The Mandalorian. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And I, I, That's the only thing he's ever seen. Anybody? Well, <laughs> shit. You From know? It, it, but still, bro, like, that, that to me is like, that shit's legit, you know? And she's going to be the next director for... One of the directors for the Obi Wan Kenobi, you know. Yeah. I mean, I've seen Snowfall too. Snowfall's legit. Yeah. Snowfall. Do you know which deep. episode, like, exactly she Let me directed? See. Deborah Chow Snowfall episode. Let's see if I'm looking that up. Oh, she also did Better Call Saul. Right. Yeah. She did first episode. The, the pilot episode. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. I like that episode. Yeah. So, I mean, and that shit's real, bro. That shit's yeah. a fucking... That's a real ass... I mean, it's this is all LA-based. So she's definitely living out here, for sure. Yeah. You know, I all mean, this stuff. you that, have to. <laughs> yeah, like the... <laughs> make it... Where, where, where are they filming Mandalorian? Burbank? Uh, I believe so, or... Actually, I have no idea. It's probably, it's probably in the Sky Rancher. Where are they filming Mandalorian? All right, here we go. Chuck some of this beer while we're waiting. Clickety-clank. L.A., yeah. Yeah, L.A. Shit, bro. That's dope. Sky Rancher. Skywalker. I don't know why I kept saying Sky Rancher. <laughs> Sky Rancher. The Sky Rancher. The Sky Rancher. Production company. So, I mean, just to clear up my final thoughts on, on her, I mean, I, now that I know she's done The Mandalorian, I want to go go back and watch those films that won those awards. Right. Like, you know, um, fuck, dude, like world-renowned shit. And it's probably, maybe it's because it had subtitles or who knows, you know, but it's one international. She's won international awards for her movies. So she's not she's not bullshitting, bro. And it's like, I, just, I, I mean, I wouldn't personally know what she's gone through in the industry, but I feel like these generations of these female directors coming through and doing big projects like that the the fact that John Favreau picked her out and was like you can do this like yeah. I, I mean to me it was like it, when you watch that it's kind of like bringing like the avengers together of directors right and like using them and well, she's when it comes yeah when it comes she's to a tv powerhouse. yeah when it comes to tv series you're basically casting and, and tv is a lot harder to film because you have tighter deadlines yeah right so i mean like you're working with the pressure well it's a little bit more shit. stricter i would say yeah you know yeah everything definitely. everything has a schedule it doesn't matter if it's like movies or television or you know anything in general in media well, cheers to Deborah Chow and cheers to Miss Coppola. Cheers.
Oh man. Like this beer is good. Yeah. This beer is really good. It is um, like very easy to sip. Ground control the major dumb. Here we go, people. Ground control the major dumb. Sorry. <laughs> I, want, I really wanted to hear where, what that I'm like, where like. are we going with this? And he's like, I just want to hear myself in a robot voice. But I guess, should we go for round two for the directors? Round two for the directors or round two for our glasses? Because we do have one more. All right, we'll be back. BRBs, people, BRBs. No, we're good. All right, I uh, <laughs> people that are watching on the Twitch, I put the number 562-774-2097. You can call in to the podcast now, my mm-hmm. friends. Mm-hmm. So if you'd like to call in and tell Sergi's a cocksucker. <laughs> oh, tell Maddie he's a bigger cocksucker. <laughs> you can go ahead and do that. Go ahead and do that. Uh, we got a second round going on here. I picked this, well, I kind of eyed it out because I was like, this looks very feminine. This looks like a feminine type of beer. But no. But it's also, it's called pariah. And pariah means, what is, hey Google, define pariah. Here's the definition of pariah, an outcast. Which I feel a lot of female directors before were kind of pariahs in the industry because you know yeah guys are dicks guys are dicks and it's mostly male dominated industry it's a male dominated industry it was the for a long time it was the uh you know and we we see the repercussions now with that whole me too movement and shit and holy crap you know yeah who knew who knew who knew i mean there was always talk about it right that Okay, so uh, this beer is called Colors Pariah. Colors Hazy IPA. And Pariah is the brewery? There are no mistakes, just happy accidents. Bob Ross has a Bob Ross quote on the back of it. (laughs) It does? Yeah. Oh god! All right. Look at this. It's very. It almost seems like it has lactose in it. Put some light on that. Oh my goodness! Cheese, cheese and rice, people. Oh, the Bob Ross quotes. There are no mistakes. Just happy accidents. Look at that, huh? When you're holding, is a touchstone in refinement of both process and construction here. At Pariah. Oh, I guess I guess it is the brewery. Colors IPA is loaded with and saturated by a kaleidoscope of American and New Zealand hop expression. We get wave after wave of flavors and aromas, reminiscent of shit and rich orange juice, cantaloupe, dried mango, passion fruit, fruit striped gum characteristics, and gentle. No, it doesn't say and gentle. Gentle bitterness and a creamy mouthfeel allow colors to <laughs> dance across the palate. Drink fresh. Drink fresh. Enjoy now. Recycle this can. 
We always recycle. Always recycle. Enjoy in an IPA glass. Sorry, we've got a shaker glass here. And he's got his trusty bottle logic canned shaped beer. Cheers to the craft. Cheers to female women in the film industry. I said female women. Um, we, not we're I mean. not going to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's okay. We're human. We make mistakes. Wow. That is mango E. It's very thick. It's creamy. And it's creamy it's as hell. It's got that creamy mouthful. That's what it says. Orange juice, cantaloupe, dried mango. Do you taste the cantaloupe? A little bit. I taste the orange and the mango. I taste orange. A little bit of cantaloupe. I, tra- I taste mango. I taste passion fruit for sure. That's in there. Little bitterness. Mm-hmm. Little bitterness. We did a preview taste earlier. It's going to be the picture for the episode. It's going to be the picture for the episode. (laughs) We'll see that soon, people. Yeah, definitely aromatic. Um, Definitely great. Refreshing. This is one of the better hazy IPAs I've had in a while. Yeah. Right? It It just packs a punch. I actually saw somebody on Instagram aromically that I think they did a photo shoot with this yeah I want to say pale ale Indian I don't know I don't know it might be shout out shout out look at that it looks like it looks like orange juice look at it's just so (laughs) it's like so frothy right at the top but it's like like it says on the back it's like a gentle bitterness I mean I would say for these fruit type beers, you don't really get a bitterness, right? Over, over very fruity beers. But I'm glad this one does because it makes it taste like beer and not just a fucking like a mango cart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. It's not. It's not tarty. It's not too tarty. It's not too tarty to party. No too tarty to party. Mmm. Yeah. No, that's shatter. good. That is cantaloupe. It's fruity. Um. Aromatic. <laughs> what do you think? This on the I, nose. I already said that. That it has its aromas. <laughs> definitely. <clears throat> it definitely looks like orange juice, and it, it it's a little heavy. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, so I think we actually might have Martin call in, one yeah. of my buddies that is a film editor. Mm-hmm. He went to school for film. Uh, you know what? I'll let him introduce himself. I will send him the number now. He's going to talk about a famous director. Right. Cool. He's going to call in right now. Cool. So we have a third person who express their opinion on female directors. And Are we going to from... be able to hear him? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> What do you worry about? I don't know. We, we haven't done this in a while. Yeah. I mean, actually, we haven't done this in a while. Yeah. So. We haven't done this since Hoover. 
Yes, the cool bed in the Cinnamons, nice. man. Oh, uh, by the way, um, check out the Cinnamons podcast that recently came out. Tomorrow we're doing a crossover episode with them on the last episode of WandaVision. I guess it would be like us just guesting in for them. Yeah, we're going to be guests on their podcast. Yeah, so. so we're going to do that tomorrow. So uh, we'll give you a link when it comes out, but uh, definitely give that a check. By the time the podcast by comes the time out, this release, yeah, if you're listening to it. just the audio, right now it should be um out already by the time right you're listening to this yeah so we'll is he calling it calls in uh doesn't seem like it (laughs) and we are anticipating for this anticipating anticipating and waiting hey dude what's up Yeah. Yeah. Just a sec. Just a sec. We're trying. Is are you just gonna do it like that? Yeah, just might as well do that then. Uh, Okay. So, uh, what's up, dude? Hey, how's it going? Um, how are you guys? Dude, we are chilling. We just uh, we just did our first round of top twos. Uh, I talked about Deborah Chow, which she she directed some episodes of The Mandalorian and Snowfall. And she's like a world-renowned international fucking filmmaker, basically. And she's from Canada. And then Sergio talked about... Go ahead and film him. Uh, yeah, I talked about Sofia Coppola. The forefront of female directors, or one of the most famous ones. Francis Ford Coppola's daughter. The godfather man himself. The godfather man himself. So you got a female director in mind? Yes, a female director, uh, Lee Wachowski. Yeah, Lana Wachowski. Lana Wachowski, um, the director yeah. from The Matrix. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. So before, um, so she actually directed The Matrix while she was male, and then mm-hmm. she um, mm-hmm. actually transgender, so she is female now. And I was reading an article um, about The Matrix and how it how it's like a metaphor for um, transgender um, for tran- uh, for like transitioning I'm not sure yeah no I definitely see it because considering that about the matrix like um it's about like a simulation right and then it's like it tells you about it's a movie about free will basically either you choose to be awakened or or to be asleep and I mean, it's definitely like a, uh, a thing that I definitely read about, like um, about what you were talking about in that movie, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. Mm-hmm. I just and, think. It, it's go ahead, go ahead, Mark. It's funny Maurice. because. So, The Matrix, it's, it's funny because the movie itself is very, like, it has a lot of male a big male fan base. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, like very macho men can't handle the fact that the director is now a woman and how the movie is based on transgenderism. What? <laughs> so they're literally like being like, oh, I don't like this movie anymore because it represents the transition of genders. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, it definitely yeah, has a lot man. of male, like, a lot of male characters in them. Like, that is some... That movie fucking changed film forever. It changed the ideas behind film and made you think about like simulations in itself and then now we're actually con- now we're just like obsessed with simulations you know in the age of like artificial intelligence this guy was way ahead of his time actually um yeah. it was him and his brother well i would say she now. right because yeah, she brother. she uh i think her transition yeah. when she fully transitioned was in 2002 so her her name was Larry. She was a man called Larry until 2002. Yeah. And now she's Lana Wachowski. And she actually came close to committing suicide as a teenager. Yeah. Did you know that, Marty? No, I, I didn't. Yeah, dude. Um, she says, I mean, I, I think I sent you the article, but she talks about how she was gonna jump in front of a train and somebody looked at her like an animal looks at another animal when it's about to die that's what she said like uh deers um looking at the headlights well like just looking looking at looking at her and just like because of that person staring at her and just like kind of like telling her like don't do it yeah. that's why she's alive that's what she said you know and uh she's gone through two marriages and now she's married to a woman and she hasn't released her name which is a good move because you don't want all kinds of media attention in your shit i right. totally feel that um but yeah i just think that um she she also went to catholic school when she was younger right so she talks about the situation where um they have to line up you know boys all line up and and one line and all the girls line up in one line and she was kind of just in the middle and a nun ended up beating her and um his or her mom came to the rescue and kind of pulled her away from the nun and like said like bitch don't put your hands on my kid again something along those lines <laughs> and basically yeah like yeah. pulled her out of a situation because of the struggle of you know the 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 confliction of where we sh- she was supposed to be you know so, I, I had no idea. Yeah, dude. I mean, I, honestly, I had no idea a- until you mentioned this. This is a great topic to talk about, especially in like the day and age that we're living in, where you know people are becoming more aware of the the transition of genders, and um, it, it's crazy because not enough people talk about that it existed before we even started talking about it. Right. Right. Yeah, well, it's like you guys mentioned about, like, the simulation theory. Like, we are in control of our own destiny and our bodies, and we make life what we want. Yeah. Yeah, it's about identity, you know, like some people, you know, they were born to be boys and then they say, I will, I don't identify as the boy, like, I'm more of a girl, you know, and we, we come more into, like, the sensibility that we have to like accept people who they are if they say they're a woman and they want to transition as a woman like that's not a thing you know it's a choice 
I think she used to work at a Burger King. <laughs> what? At one That's point. so random. <laughs> and she would cry, and like she said that the staff there were just kind of used to it of the wave of emotions that she had because of you know all the shit yeah. that was going on in her head right know? yeah definitely very confusing like um um psychology there you know but guess and what to struggle they're having a uh the new matrix movie right is gonna come out is she gonna be behind it uh she i'm pretty her- sure man like right did yeah. you hear about this Marty? I'm so sorry it's, it's kind of hard to hear on my end Really? Oh, um, we're just gonna say like the the new Matrix movie is gonna come out soon. You know? Oh, that yeah. Is she gonna be directing with her with uh, her sister? I let's check. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, it's usually both yeah. of them. They direct together, right? Right. Yeah, they usually do. They used to be the Wachowski brothers. Yeah. Now, now they're, they're sisters. sisters. I get that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's good that we kind of put a spotlight on this too, man, because, you know, um, it, it's it, I mean, just talk about the film industry. It's very hard for females to get their way in in a lot of different ways. But I mean, it's people like this that are breaking the the barriers as well for uh, transgender people. You know. Yeah, we also have to you know include them because. Like I said, that's uh, that's a thing now. And you yeah, wanna I, you wanna be fair. You wanna like you know, she's a woman, so you know she's yeah. a female director. Lana Wachowski is Lana in Wachowski. fact. I feel like doing the next. Specifically, like transgender women have this different, like totally different perspective on life. Yeah. And yeah. The way it comes out on screen. It's just on another level. Yeah, it's definitely unique, and it's not something that a lot of people didn't consider. Her sister is Lily Wachowski. All right. So Lana and Lily Wachowski. Yeah, that's Lana like that's like a two peas in a pod kind of name. L W, L W and L W. The Wachowski sisters. She also did a Cloud Atlas. I mean, she did obviously. Oh, she did Jupiter Ascending. Ascending. Uh, that was the one with... Um, Mila Kunis and Channing yep. Tatum. Yep, Channing Tatum. Channing that Tatum. And Speed Racer. Yeah. You were right. <laughs> I told you. You were right. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Fucking Sergio. Assassins. I, I actually really like Ninja movies. Assassin. Really? Yes. Oh, I fr- side I by think- side. Dude, these are like badass fucking movies, bro. Yeah. Wait, didn't aren't they behind Sense Eight, that Netflix series? Yes, they are behind yeah, Sense Eight, and that's about what. Uh, it's kind of like an Umbrella Academy type of. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Dude, that's fucking dope. I mean, like, fuck. Yeah, are I- you guys gonna be um on the podcast? a lot longer I'm gonna head back I have to get some stuff done yeah but I can uh-huh. give you guys a call back in like 10 minutes yeah yeah just call us back whenever we'll be we'll be talking about the next director but we'll definitely go back and talk about this whatever or if you have someone else in mind okay yeah um I'll be back in a, in a bit I just I gotta do some stuff and I'll no be problem. right back no problem no problem do your thing alright go handle alright cool thank you hey bro 
This is Golden Craft Class, where we like to go with the flow of what's happening at the moment. Hey everybody, that's uh, still watching the stream if you're there. If you are um, watching the Twitch right now, hello. hello. How are you doing? How are you doing? We're back. Um, we just got a call from Martin. And Marty, Marty McFly. Marty McFly may be back. We always give everyone nicknames on this podcast. Marty. That's Marty. why Sergio's nickname is the Surge Attack. AKA Cocksucker. <laughs> AKA. <laughs> no, it's the Surge Attack and the Mansky Fresh. And we're here to bring you round two of female, female directors. directors. Serge, who do you have in mind, my friend? Well, aside from film directors, I was considering television television directors. Television? Television mm-hmm. directors, if you will. And one that stood out of like um one that stood from my mind, especially like watching like one of my favorite like couple favorite shows. Um, there was always a name that always popped up at the end of the episode. And I was like, huh, that name keeps popping up. And I was like, she's in this. And she's just directing in that, too. Oh. And she's directed episodes of Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, a um, couple episodes on The Deuce, and... She started off as a producer in the X Files, and she actually directed her oh, first episode. Shit, the X Files. In the X Files. Gangster. And this gangster's name is Michelle McLaren. Michelle McLaren. Michelle McLaren. Woo 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 woo. If you guys aren't aware of Michelle McLaren, she's been in the industry for a long time, and she's started off in the X Files, like I said, and um. She directed her first episode in the X Files, and you know she's—it's something that she always wanted to do. Um, just based on interviews that I uh, heard and seen, that she pretty much like was passionate about film, and she was working for television at the time. And one day she just said, "Hey, you think I could direct an episode from the X Files?" And they're like, "Yeah, go ahead." And, you know, she got started off with that. And then also, you know, she was good friends with uh, Vince Gillian. Maybe it was a lot harder than how you described it. (laughs) I don't know. But that's what she said. All right. Like, that's how she described it and said, like, um, that's cool. Yeah, sure. Because, I mean, she was the producer. So, you know, she's known around and said, like, oh, you think I could get some creative uh, uh, freedom or a creative like like we need directors liberties for I'll that take shit. the fucking I'll step and then she's all like oh yeah you like obviously she's been in the show it's part like, of your, that show and says like hey <laughs> we're gonna direct it and we're like okay yeah, yeah, go ahead you do you and she started off with that and like I said before you interrupted me the fucking me, X-Files man um, she was good friends with uh, Vince Gillian who was the creator of Breaking Bad and he pretty much respected her and let her like you know um direct a couple episodes from that and i think she's directed up to 13 14 episodes 14 of the x-files no of breaking bad oh shit and that's that's a lot (laughs) 
And yeah, I'm definitely a Breaking Bad um, fan. And I seen a couple of her episodes that she described. Yeah, he loves it so much. And he smokes crack. Very <laughs> methamphetamine. <laughs> Sorry. Blue methamphetamine. <laughs> That's not true at all, people. We're we're tongue in cheek here. We're very here. clean. <laughs> we're not. <laughs> Go ahead. And yeah, she's um, like my props to her because she's fucking directed some of my favorite um, TV shows like Breaking Bad. And she definitely gets, like, you know, the vibe of that show. And I definitely hear her say, like, in certain interviews where, like, yeah, you know, like, Breaking Bad definitely has a style. But, like, for her job as a director, like, the way she described, like, what directing is to her, it's just, like, do the best of what you're giving. Um, You're basically telling the story. And it's your version of how you're going to tell that story. Like, that's her main principle of having, like, to direct a TV, like, a TV episode or, you know, a film. And, you know, when you're giving, like, an episode, like, you're going into the mind of, like, what this episode's about. And, you know, you have to visualize it, right? And having to come up with plans of how to work things out, even when they don't, you know. And which comes to my next point, which is she directed one of the episodes of couple. Actually, she directed a couple episodes of Game of Thrones, and I think oh, she's the producer shit. too. Yeah. So the one that stood out the most. So she's has CG work, like she's. This is where I'm going. This is where I'm going. She directed the episode, um, the Bear and the Fair Maiden, which is the episode with a bear. Basically, like, um, if you guys don't know what uh, Game of Thrones is, or if you guys know what Game of Thrones no, is bro, about, nobody knows. What nobody Game- even knows what Game of Thrones, and <laughs> I hope you g- do know. But you know, it's the one. Obviously, it's the like, one with oh, the bear. That show with a bad ending. <laughs> that show with the bad ending. Overall, I like the it ending. Was a I like the ending. Really? I don't give a shit. I like the ending. It was that's, real. An- that's another talk for uh, a different day. But, you know, today we're talking about that certain episode with the bear where... um, When they got the bear from the woods. No. She... No, there was a part where... um, uh, Brianne, she actually was finding a bear. And then Jamie Lannister was going to go rescue her. And, you know, they interact with the bear. And that bear is actually pretty much trained. And she was left to direct that episode and uh, there were certain things where they couldn't like it was it was very difficult there it is people you heard it here first what she was the first female director to direct a bear yeah in real life <laughs> fucking a. I didn't say that but she was actually the one to direct like the bear that's acting. fucking crazy bro and the way that they did it is well she got briefed and saying like okay well there's gonna be a bear in this episode so you know they send her videos of the bear and how like their trainers are like um pretty much like uh not taming them but giving instructions to the bear and say like oh run up bart that's the bear's name or do certain tricks and basically the way she described it is like um the bear you have to encourage him basically you know and they couldn't film like 
they couldn't because most of it's filming like Ireland and they couldn't film in Ireland because it's a little cold and you know bears hibernate in the cold oh shit and they had to film it like in a warmer um, environment so they basically had to like have two different shots and you know the shots that are shot in Ireland like um Right before the bear even shows up, like that's all shut up. That's why there's but, no Braves in Ireland. That's so. That's why yeah. there's no bears in Ireland. But then what the hell? The movie Brave? No, that was Scotland, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah, it's Scotland. So, um, all the shots that they did was you know projected on a green screen, and that's why there's screens. If you were to watch a bit, oh, okay. Well, we're going to send you a link. It's going to be below our episode detail. And basically, they have everything shot. And once they did, like, the shots with the bear, like, they had to have a double, you know. So it wasn't really, like, the actress portraying uh, Brienne or Jamie. And basically, like, he had to do certain tricks. And then the bear would actually, you have to encourage the bear. So it took, like, the whole group to encourage the bear to do a certain trick. And she said that was the most fun experience that they did. And eventually, like, at one point, the bear was, like, um, like, I guess it ate. And then, no, 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 it was getting tired of doing tricks or, you know, pretty much acting. And that bear was getting cold and he wanted to hibernate. And then everyone wanted to encourage him to come back, like, hey, Bart, come back. And in her words, she said, like a diva, the bear actually looked back at us and said, in her eyes, all right, I guess I'll do another one. And went back to them and, you know, (laughs) shot a couple extra shots, you know, just to get the bear's, like, accents right. Fuck. Yeah. So, basically, like, what? based on that video, what? based on that what video, she's trying to make a point. She's trying to make a point that sometimes certain things can't work out, but there's always a problem in production, and you have to find a solution. They always say never work with animals or kids, <laughs> right? And she worked with animals. So and she actually, yeah, props to that. Fuck, directing a bear. Who knew? She directed a bear. And, you know, that's one of the highlights that she did. And she wasn't expecting certain things to go um, uh, her way in some things. But most of it, she got it down. Because she had everything storyboarded, you know. And, you know, she got into problems. And then, you know, we had to have uh, a different plan on to, like, having to... Uh, go through the film process you know through, through principal photography and I mean that's one of the things that I looked up um, when looking up for her work and it's like oh fuck that's fucking funny she actually directed that episode and she told told us about that challenge it's a TED talk she does and again I'm gonna give you that link uh, on the show description and I mean besides that she's also directed um, Better Call Saul which is spin-off of Breaking Bad. Crazy, because we also had another director earlier that yeah. also did that one. Yeah, and, uh... Debra. 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 Chow. And I think she only directed one movie called Nightingale. And she's directed a, the pilot episode of The Deuce. The and Deuce. The Deuce. And that show's basically about... 
revolving around like the red district in New York called the Deuce, and, and they started tell the story of James Franco. James fucking Franco. And it tells the story of how like the porn industry grew from that like that area where it had a lot of prostitution and a lot of um. A lot of people that were into that type of stuff and having to like uh, tell the story of certain people in that group, especially the James Franco characters. And she she got brought into this and said, you know, um, you're going to bring me into this. It's like, oh, OK, it's about, you know, the growth of the rise of pornography in that era, in that certain, you know, uh, area of that era. And when you think about New York in the 70s, you think like, oh, uh, Scorsese, you know? Mean Streets, Taxi Driver, uh, Kings of Comedy. Well, it's more towards the 80s. But, and that's, the Latin that's one Kings of her. Of comedy? What? Nothing. Just keep going. You're an idiot. <laughs> so that's one of the things she wanted to think about, uh, starting to consideration. Um, Sergio, babysit. Babysit. Yeah. Babysit. Baby oh, sorry. I'm. I'm very focused. I'm talking about this. That's yeah, why I'm I know. Like, I feel you, but you got to try this beer, dude. It's so good. I did. I previewed this beer before we even like uh, started this episode. <laughs> I love the cantaloupe. You know what? I'll just have it in my hand the whole time. And I set my beer down there. Yeah. Put it right there. There it is, people. Watch it disappear. Watch it disappear slowly. And where was I? Yeah, uh, Michelle McLaren. Um, she's definitely been in the industry for a long time. Not calling her old. I'm just saying she's very experienced. And she knows what she's doing because, you know, she's giving a handful of interviews where she talks about having to direct and her challenges of directing and she's definitely been the person that's like uh, top tier director especially television directors which you know in television it's very different it's like a collaboration of different directors having to rotate uh, throughout the whole series and you know they have their own image they have they have their own style of having to tell a story and you know she definitely has hers and she's very direct and very like she she has very effective filmmaking uh, process, you know. And she's gone through the challenges, like I said, with the bear and then with like um uh I had another point, but I'm really forgetting because she definitely has a lot of stories to tell. Like if you were to like um, listen to any podcast interviews or like. <laughs> interviews like on TV or like media sources like on YouTube like she definitely has a say on like what it means to direct you uh, had me on she directed a bear (laughs) let's just (laughs) put that out there yeah sure I don't care but you gotta be aware she directed a bear she did (laughs) so um yeah cheers to that cheers to that (laughs) Who the fuck directs a bear? <laughs> she does. Um, where directed The Edge, the movie with um, Alec Baldwin. And that was a good clank right there. <laughs> I was kind of surprised it didn't break it. Alec Baldwin and Anthony Hopkins. Alec Baldwin, Anthony Hopkins. What's our Edge. next episode on, by the way? Uh, stay tuned. No, right no, here. wait, shut up. It says... Look, 
Look. Oh. <laughs> Put it down. We'll talk about that later. All right. All right. Let's keep him in suspense. We're keeping you in suspense. Suspensical. Uh, can you close the door? Yeah. Fully. Uh-oh. There goes the guitar. Ground control to major tongue. You gotta get up. Okay. <laughs> Good enough. The beauty of things. So yeah, female directors and having to talk about their craftsmanship. I'm actually very curious what Manny's gonna say on his next one. Well, that's the one I was gonna choose, The Matrix. Who else? <laughs> you want me to po- talk about someone else? I got someone for you. I mean, I didn't consider that your top two. I consider that Marty's pick. I guess. He did tell me about it. Okay. Check this out. Here we go. So, this lady. This lady. Was an actress? director producer okay she died about three years ago mm-hmm. she was born in the Bronx that Browns and she received three nominations for the Golden Globe Best Actress television series musical comedy on her portrayal of what show Spinoff from Cheers. Laverne and... Um, Shirley. Shirley. Laverne and Shirley. Okay. Mrs. Carol Penny Marshall. Um, yeah. Mrs. Carol Penny Marshall, people. Penny, Penny Marshall. Okay, you're going to trip out. This lady did movies that you would have never thought were directed by a woman. Yeah. Including... Big with Tom Hanks. The one that you would expect to be directed by a woman because it's a very empowering film. And a fun film. Um, a League of Their Own. A League of Their Own. Laverne and Shirley. The movie. The movie? That's a show. Uh, apparently she did Scooby-Doo <laughs> and Kiss. <laughs> it was called Scooby-Doo and Kiss And they're like rocking out with Scooby-Doo and Kiss She directed like, that or she was like an actress <laughs> She was an actress in it I Oh think. so she did voiceover Yeah there. maybe mm-hmm. um, Yeah Okay the movie Big Right Right. It's a fucking pinnacle of the 80s That movie is kind on of. It's definitely Like It's a very light hearted comedy About be careful what you wish for Mm-hmm. You know, and the thing that I definitely like notice about Penny Marshall coming from like a sitcom comedy, like she's very good with uh, with comedy, you know, because coming from her experience as an actress from uh, Charlene Laverne, which is a spinoff from what's him? <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Oh, it wasn't Cheers. What? Was we'll Penny Marshall originally in? But I think we know. She's definitely been in the industry for a while. Um, she actually started off like 
um, being like a housewife and uh, she was definitely married and she had like I guess what you would call normal life and you know she had a family and um, when she moved to Happy Days LA yeah Happy Days that's what it was which is a spin which that show fucking has a lot of spinoffs Minnie and Mork um, a couple other ones that Mork and Mindy Minnie yeah whatever so <laughs> besides that like Penny Marshall actually came to LA and her brother Gary Marshall was in the industry and that's where she got her start of having to cause she he actually wrote most of the shows she was in oh okay you know and that's how she made her start and she started off in commercials and stuff and she pretty much worked her way into like you know being in sitcoms and whatnot. And she was given to she was given a chance to direct one of the episodes from one of her shows. I think it was uh, Shirley and Laverne. And eventually she uh, made a f- um, she came into film. And what She's was like, her film? I, I like this. Yeah, what was her film debut? Film debut was with Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> um, you forgot already. <laughs> uh, what was it? Jumping, jumping, Jack Slam or something. Flash, like. jumping Jack Flash. Yeah, none other than Whoopi Goldberg in her prime. Jumping Jack Flash. I want to watch. Jack. You know what? Can we watch the uh, trailer? We're, we're gonna watch the trailer right now, and I'm pretty sure you could hear it. No, actually, I don't think our audience can hear it. If we were to go, who cares? What? She's this a raptor. cat is crazy. That cat's a raptor. She even closed it. Yeah, she's very. She has manners. Okay, let's look this up. We're looking for the trailer of Jumpin' Jack Flash. You said. Which is Jumpin' a- Jack Flash is a 1986 movie directed by Penny Marshall, starring Whoopi Goldberg, Carol Kane, and Jonathan Price. <laughs> okay, let's see this. And I got the Rolling Stones jumping Jack Flash. Jumping Jack Flash movie trailer. Trailer. Yeah, here we go. I want to see how this looks. It came out in 1986. Make it full screen? Yeah. And the fate of the free world well her name is not Whoopi basically her this trailer is not Whoopi basically this trailer is back when they had narrators and they literally said like oh it comes to the hands of one woman called Whoopi her name is not Whoopi in the movie well at least I don't think so <laughs> that's her real name <laughs> <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg is definitely like. <laughs> Look at them draped. She was. Oh, she, she was cussed. such a interesting <laughs> character actor. Well, actually, very funny actress. <laughs> I last um not too long ago I actually watched The Color Purple, which is actually her film debut. 
Whoopi Goldberg's film, film debut was The Color Purple, which was directed by Spielberg. And it's crazy because she is from comedy and she did that. Yeah. I would have never thought of that. I actually, I actually heard of the story uh, coming from the Comedy Store documentary where pretty much she got scouted while she... Like, someone basically discovered her while she was, like, on stage. I'm going to watch this movie, and I'm going to give you my review on it. (laughs) This dude. And look at that. A successful Google search. Our first successful Google search. Yeah, I hope that doesn't give us any trouble. (laughs) Legally. (laughs) Fuck it. But... Besides that, um, yeah, that was her film debut, the directorial debut, I should say. And she went on to um, do other movies like um, The Preacher's Wife, uh, again, A League of Their Own, Big uh, Awakenings. 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 With Robert De Niro and mm-hmm. Robin Williams. Robin fucking Williams. 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 Shout out to our episode on uh, comedians. <laughs> and, you know, I think her last movie was uh, Driving with Boys. It, it was a movie with uh, Drew Barrymore. Yep, Drew Barrymore. Yeah, definitely. In driving in Cars with Boys or something like that. Yeah, Driving with car- in Cars with Boys. And that's, uh, from what I could tell, I never watched the movie, but it kind of seems like a very heavy topic about domestic abuse and whatnot. And, you know, props to her for having tackled tackle those type of, like, um, films films with those type of themes and those type of issues uh, going around, you know. On a trip. And, you know, she definitely was another, another person that... Um, put like uh, femininity in the forefront of her films you know uh, especially with A League of Their Own which tells the story of like you know an all female uh, baseball team which at the time was a real history thing while the men were gone the women were you know basically working basically having to set up like events and organizations especially like in sports and they had their own baseball team they had a league of their own they had a league of their own and it was definitely more than a league of their own it was a era of their own you know well I just remember Rosie O'Donnell I remember Madonna I'm like this hey <laughs> it's me I'm Rosie O'Donnell <laughs> hey you that was a terrible impression <laughs> hey you what you do that Damn, how'd you, how'd you throw the ball like that? Oh, she's good. She's good. <laughs> oh, she's good. I'll tell you what, she's I'll good. tell you what, she's good. <laughs> Let me tell you what. She's good. It's good. Rosie O'Donnell. Shout out to Rosie O'Donnell. Where hey, is she at? <laughs> um, this has been a good episode. We talked about some crazy stuff, and I've loved the fact that we know how you work as a babysitter. Because... You're only half the glass I'm full. I'm sorry, I'm talking right now, so I'm I just know. like. Take it's good though, right? Yeah. This is. I think this one won tonight. For this you. This is the better beer of the night, I think. Yeah. Do you like the other one? I think I like the other one a little better. Okay. Well, then I'll take the last one of the, of the colors. Okay, you get I'll your leave colors. You some fucking. I'll leave you some reds. <laughs> so wait, uh, are you done with uh, Penny Marshall? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, you kind of took it over, and I'm yeah. glad you did because Ali, I, I very, I knew very little, but you know, Big to me was a, uh, uh, one of my favorite movies growing up too. Right, because you actually yeah. wanted to be like grown up. No, because I wanted one of those giant keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly why There's I was like that scene of him in the in the store just fucking <laughs> you know what I'm talking so about so that that big to, uh, toy store that was actually that was, that was cool yeah that was actually from Home Alone 2 same one from what I believe yeah no uh, no uh. <laughs> Seriously? I believe so. That is a trip, dude. I did not... It looks so different. Yeah, because New York used to have like a big toy store like that. I want to go to that it toy like, store. It, I don't think it exists anymore. God damn it. You know, they took like... Um, New York actually had like the biggest Toys R Us like in town. Times. Did she just yeah. get back in here? Yeah. That cat is wild, bro. What are you talking about? She sneaks in here all the time whenever she pleases. I kind of like cats. You kind of like cats? I never like cats. You know what? Look at look at though. She's clawing at your blankets. Because you never got to know a cat, so you you don't know until you actually. Well, I've know. been around cats and they're little fuckers, but she's smart. Of course, she's smart. She's smarter than you, dude. Look at she's gonna fuck you up right now. <laughs> Look at she knows we're talking about her. This fucking cat is very intelligent. <laughs> She's a raptor. This is super cat right now. <laughs> Cats are trippy. Um, to finish off the well, the direct just the top two portion, I would say, man, we need more female directors. Yeah, especially. I think we need we need more of them because. Women in film look up the look up to them as bosses. Like yeah, they they open like a lot of the people that we talked about really did like open up the doors for female directors and stuff like that. I think Lucille Ball even directed at some point. Lucille Ball. Yeah. So she directed uh, an episode from I, I, I don't, Love Lucy. I think, bro. I I did Lucille Ball ever direct? Lucille Ball directed Bungle Abbey. Bungle Abbey. What is that? Is that a movie? No, it's. A, I think it's a TV show. show. Yeah, yeah, Bungle Abbey. So, I mean, you know, like, she was definitely one of the first ones to really fucking break that barrier through. I mean, she was, a, she was the star of the show, and then she became the director for uh, Bungle Abbey, which... Yeah. Oh, these people are so old. <laughs> That's all you can say. They're so old. I mean, old. we're. I mean, we'll be there one day, but yeah. they'll still be older than us. It's got one star rating. Or dead <laughs> on IMDb. Bungle Abbey. Oh, it was a movie. Yeah, TV movie. Nineteen eighty one. Bungle Abbey. Nineteen eighty one. Photos. Cast. Storyline. Did you know? All right, check this out. Let's see. Bungle Abbey director Lucille Ball. Writer Seaman Jacobs. Seaman Jacobs. What? <laughs> yeah, that's his name. Seaman Seaman Jacobs. The Seaman Jacobs. Um 
Yeah. It's got a one star. Oh my god, should I read this fucking... Yeah, go ahead. Oh my god, this is kind of long. Alright, back in the early 80s, NBC used to offer the NBC Sunday Night Late Movie to local affiliates. This movie series was usually either an old NBC movie of the week... In parentheses, I saw Michael Landon's TV movie about bet wedding there which was actually pretty good and parentheses why what the fuck this person put that in there okay or a collection of busted nbc pilots they would package three of these pilots up show them one after the other and call it a movie (laughs) it was obvious why nbc was dead last in the ratings back then These pilots were apparently the best NBC could come up with. And they almost made it on the network. Yikes. (laughs) 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 I saw many, many terrible pilots, but Bungle Abbey was one of the worst. (laughs) Oh, jeez. This was about a large group of elderly monks. Talking about old What? What? Talking about old people. What? What? Did I just read that right? Oh my god, dude. Okay. Go on. Uh oh my god. This was I can't say it again. This was about a large group of elderly monks, including Gail, Mr. Mooney. Gordon and Charlie Callis living in a monastery in California. They even had the brown hooded robes and sandals. What? As I as I remember it. There were many jokes about stomping grapes. <laughs> what is happening right now? Stomping grapes. Stomping grapes. When you say that, I just remember that one viral video where the lady just like wine making and <laughs> vows of silence. The set was a large stone room with enormous fireplace and bulky wooden doors. Something you'd expect to see in a monastery in the Middle Ages, but not in present-day California. <laughs> This guy is such a hater. (laughs) I would say that jokes in this show were as old as the monks. (laughs) (laughs) Very sassy. (laughs) (laughs) Or as stale as the Abbey wine. (laughs) But that would be stooping to the level of the show itself. I would love to see this show again simply because it was so incredibly awful in every way. LOL. (laughs) (laughs) I think this person Loki loves this. It was a guilty that pleasure was, for them. Guy, look at this. It's a goddamn paragraph. <laughs> like, this dude has more, like, this is an essay, dude. This is crazy. I need to watch this show. Can we watch the, can we watch a clip of it? <laughs> What's it called? Bungle Abbey. <laughs> All right. Directed by none other than Miss Lucille Ball. How do you spell bungle? Like bungle. Like jungle, but with a B. 
alley. Yeah. What the fuck is this? <laughs> Bungle Abbey near me? What? Lucy and Paul. Just put Lucy. Just see what happens. <laughs> Bungle Abbey. Put Bungle Abbey NBC pilot. Bungle Abbey NBC pilot. That might work. It's Alley or Abbey? Bungle Alley. Abbey. Abbey. Okay. Oh, oh my god. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, because it's a monastery. That makes sense now. Bungle Abbey. Okay, put Bungle. Oh my god, that's how embarrassing it is. Bungle Ab- Abbey NBC pilot. Try that. This is if it's a pilot that didn't make it, it's gonna be much. It didn't to, make it. That's the whole point. I think it's gonna be much harder to like search for it. Oh my god! Yeah. You're gonna have to search the world wide web for this one, bro. You have to search the fucking dark web. No. <laughs> <laughs> go go go! Do do Google. Just straight up Google. See if you could find it. <sighs> all right. I want to see it. All right, all right, all right. I get it. <laughs> NBC pilot. Yeah, try it. <laughs> it's a one-star review that I read. Okay. <laughs> By G. A. Weldon. I need to be. Put videos. Search under video. Like, click the videos thing. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> this is hardly anything to. <laughs> Oh my god, they erased it from fucking the existence of you the You would planet. have to go to NBC's archives to oh fucking find god, that shit. Oh my god, bro. Um, go to page 10. <laughs> no, I'm good. Oh we're not, my we're never gonna god. Find it. <laughs> That's how deep in the crevasse of the, like, ages it is. Yeah, that's crazy. I got some screenshots. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this one. Oh jeez. I think we get the screenshots. What? <laughs> yeah, this is on IMDb. Check these out. These are fucking stupid. I didn't even know this was a thing. I didn't know either until you just um, uh, brought that up. <laughs> I did not expect this on this episode. We're literally just ragging on this fucking pilot that Lucio Ball did. That's <laughs> doing right now like yeah we so if you're joining stop. us on the stream <laughs> we are looking at pictures of the actual show <laughs> like but what the monastery look at that guy's old <laughs> that guy's and he's so pointing up he's like <gasps> towards the god go to the next one this is the one that got me <laughs> press x on the what grapes, is this shit grapes do not leave like purple paint on not your legs not purple <laughs> I wouldn't think. It looks like... It looks like they cost something. Like some kind of disease. Look at... They're just like... Oh, like awkwardly standing there. They're like... Well, we did today's work. We stomped the hell out of those grapes. We stopped the grapes of wrath. And that's the... Iconic... Title. I want to see this show now. Look! Look at the background. Look at the backdrop. Like it looks like it's fucking painted. 
This show is just like you know, there's there's nothing on there's no this is the only videos. existence of the shit. There's no videos there's no on videos. this at all. At all. Reviews one user. <laughs> the can one we, guy. Can, should we rate it five stars? <laughs> it was released in May 31st. Should we rate this five? This was the best show I have ever life. watched in my it entire was so life. Inspiring. Look, this Lucille Ball's only solo directing credit. She was credited as co-director of Lucy the Sheriff, season six, episode 18 in 1974 with Kobe Ruskin. Ball fired Ruskin during the rehearsal period and took over as director. This is largely a matter of semantics. As star executive producer and studio president, Lucille Ball often directed from the set while her directors of record were in the booth directing the camera movement. Most all behind the scenes footage of Lucille Ball shot during the episode filming post-1962 bears this out. The Lucy Show in 28 episode of Here's Lucy Jacobs were wrote extensively for the Bob on NBC. It sounds like NBC was at the end of their rope. Uh, <laughs> it's still like, on. <laughs> you got. I mean, we still got NBC. If anything, um, I mean, besides like. Lucia Ball like directing uh, I think one of the first female directors was actually Orat France and her name was uh, Alice Guy uh, Blanche Blanche I don't know Blanche Blanche or something like that oh, what the hell is my what phone? is it called say Alice Guy I actually learned about her in my uh, film history class Alice Guy Blanche there you go Alice in the Antoinette, Guy Blanche, was a French pioneer filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. And a lot of, uh, there's definitely a lot of like um, females like that trying to pioneer in the film industry very early on, mind you. And they, whether they were like, you know, actresses, okay, producers. Born July 1873. (laughs) Holy shit. We're going back. Yeah, we're going back. Wow. We're going back in time. We're going back in time. Holler at fucking knots. They're reopening. Really? Yes. (laughs) I think I might go get myself a pass with the dining meal plan so I can just eat that chicken every day. Hey, so if you had that pass, did they not charge you for this whole time in the pandemic? Uh, I think people are getting reimbursed. Yeah. Um, Okay, check this out. Alice in the Antoinette Guy Blanche uh, was a French pioneer filmmaker active from the 19th century, (laughs) one of the first to make a narrative fiction film. She was the first woman to direct a film. From 1896 to 1906, she was probably the only female filmmaker in the world. She experimented with Goumont's chronophone sync sound system and with color tinting, interracial casting, holler at your girl, and special effects. This chick. Okay. (laughs) She fucked everything. That's fucking dope. Yeah. 
She was an artistic director and co-founder of Solak Studios in Flushing, New York in 1912. Solak's invested a hundred thousand in 1912, a hundred thousand dollars, bro, for a new studio in Jersey, the center of American filmmaking prior to the establishment of Hollywood. This is before Hollywood was even a thing. Was open in California. This is fucking crazy. Yeah. Before it was in New Jersey and it was under like um, Thomas Edison who was the American filmmaker, film creator. Stupid. But it depends who you ask. Some people say you know the Lumineer brothers. Uh, you should pull up a picture of her so people could see her. Right. That year, she made the film A Fool and His Money, probably the first to have an all- African-American cast. The film is now a national center for film and video preservation at the American Film Institute. Uh, which they teach in film schools, which I'm learning. <laughs> Although she initially began working for Leon Gaumont as his secretary, she began to become familiar with myriad clients, relevant marketing strategies, and the company's stock of cameras. So there's a documentary on her, which she, is narrated by none other than Jodie Foster, which not only is she an actress, but she's also a director. Hmm. Yeah. That's another female director. Yeah. She was confident that she could incorporate fictional storytelling elements into film. She asked Amant for permission to make her own film, and he granted it. Guy Blanche first film and arguably the world's worst no sorry arguably the world's first <laughs> narrative film was titled La Fille au Jus The Cabbage Fairy <laughs> I actually seen that can we watch that? Yeah. in 1896 the scene Alice Describes does not match either the 1900 versions or the 1902 version that has been discovered. Alice said she filmed the first version in 1896. Cabbage fairy, that's the first. A July 30th, 1896 newspaper describes a chaste fiction of children born under the cabbages in wonderfully framed promo landscape. So there's giant cabbages and there's a lady who's pretty much like the nurse or is she like the midwife well she's using she's exploring dance she's exploring dance and having to uh, bring forth children out of the world from cabbages why cabbages I don't know that's my only question I, do you think this is what brought forth uh, cabbage patch kids maybe <laughs> what is it what is going on with this cabbage theory cabbage patch kids cabbage. the origins <laughs> the origins kids. of cabbage, cabbage patch kids, kids. <laughs> oh my cabbage kids I don't know Jesus what does cabbages have to do with kids uh, I have no idea I, I don't know the metaphor behind that. Um, should we say some honorable mentions? Yes, go ahead. So, uh, another director with worth mentioning is uh, Greta Gerwig, who debuted her film Lady Bird a couple years back, and 
her even more awesome movie, her the latest adaptation of um, Little Women, back in <laughs> back in <laughs> that came out in 2019, um, starring um, Ron. I forgot her first name. So really, uh, I I'm sorry, <laughs> but. I mean, she's definitely uh, another director, like to to actually like um, pay attention to, because she's definitely has like a, a very great ideas. And Lady Bird, when I first watched that movie, like honestly, I was fucking on edibles and I was fucking tripping out. I was tripping out over the fact that this movie was very real and at times uh i feel kind of cringy just the way like you know a teenager just talks especially a female well a female teenager having to like you know geek out or freak out about certain things and it was just like oh my god this is actually this feels so real and you know like she's a writer too so what the, the one thing that they told tell writers especially like screenwriters or playwrights or any other sort is write what you know and she definitely knows about like a lot of things she's just a very smart woman okay check this out I researched cabbage I researched cabbages <laughs> and I looked at the symbolism it says eating cabbages are considered to be healthy in real life opening or cutting a cabbage in a dream means we are too busy in doing petty things and wasting our time by siding up the important tasks cabbages are not known as a good omen in many religions oh really but yet like the miracle of like childbirth yeah but then in Chinese symbolism cabbage represents prosperity and wealth what does it mean in French since she is a French filmmaker Cabbage symbolism, French. French. The French like to associate their loved ones with food and call them petit chou, petit which chou. is the equivalent of sweetheart. It means little cabbage. You got it, Serge. You found it. That's why. That's why there were little fucking cabbages, because it's like calling like a kid a sweetheart. It's little cabbage. Weird. Weird. Come here, you little cabbage. <laughs> little cabbage patch kid. <laughs> little cabbage. You little motherfucker. Uh, where was I? Gerwig. Yeah, that was her um, directorial debut. And uh, Little Women, which, to be honest, I really fucking enjoyed. Because I just enjoyed the choices that she made in that movie. And it's definitely a movie worth watching. Uh, whatever streaming service it might be in like just find it like I strongly recommend that movie because it was one of the best films that year I would say okay and it was right before COVID so I watched this movie in theaters and like I know it was about a book and that motherfucker got adapted into films so many times and her version is actually very different from all the versions um, that's been made and she actually made a very bold choice on that shit and when I learned about that I was like oh shit so she kind of had like a meta approach towards that and she's I'm 
I'm anticipating what she has next, basically. She's definitely like someone to like reckon with. And consider she's gonna be one of the top female directors in a couple years or by the next decade. I guarantee it. So really going back to it, um I mean there isn't a lot of female directors. I mean the other one that I could probably think of is um Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder. Jody Foster. Did Winona Ryder ever direct? I don't know. <laughs> I just know Jodie Foster directed. Has Winona Ryder ever directed, directed that episode of Black Mirror? That was the one with the. Um, I remember it's a very simple storyline. It was very straight, straightforward, and a lot of people took it shit on that shit. I was like, eh. oh, it was the one that was like monitoring the one of her kids. Like it was a single mom monitoring one of her kids through a program. And eventually ended up her, one of her kids, like, just leaving. And it's crazy. It comes back into the theme of uh, overprotecting your kids. Especially when it comes to, like, a very strong Catholic American white family. You know, because, I mean, a lot of these themes, like, revolve around. It doesn't matter who directs it. Like, people get the point, you know. And directors really uh, know how to handle those themes and having to explore those themes in their films. And female directors are just as good. Not only explore the themes, but translate them through a female perspective. Perspective. Right. That's the whole point of this episode, I think, is the fact that these females portray things in a light that only they could see through their lens you know right and it's like making that you know making that perspective visible for people I think is, is it speaks a lot especially to filmmakers that are yeah. that are females that yeah it definitely comes with perspective people, you know but I'm just saying like females are just as good as like males you know cause they think like directors and you know directors have like their own uh, motives and ideas that they want to like come across in their movies and it all comes to execution you know and all these uh, ladies that we were talking about they've definitely um, they definitely like uh, got our attention and we want to like you know show our respect and our homage towards their work because you know it's a industry dominated by males and now more than ever females are uh, are coming forward and they're having opportunities to like not only just direct but just like be in the film industry in general you know and there's double as much females as there is guys like that's a general fact that I've been told I just think that Hopefully, in the in the near future, they're gonna give more women the opportunity to direct. It's inevitable, right? Yeah, that's the whole point. And uh, you know, like we talked about earlier with uh, the director of the Matrix, you know, that's a whole nother part that hasn't really been talked about either. So I'm curious yeah. to see. And I mean, dude, there's so many fucking oh haters can't take it. You know, like, fuck all that, bro. Like, 
This is 2021. We're living in the future, baby. We're living in the matrix. You know? You gotta... Gotta expand your mind. You know? Like, uh, like our friend Martin that called in earlier said that we're... We are meta. I said that. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Martin said that, like, we're able to make our own version of ourselves, whatever we want, you know? Right. So, if you are a female and you like film, you could direct film. Yeah. Don't think you can't. Kali Uchis is a director. She started directing films actually and she's from music so she started doing music videos on her own cinematography everything and then started doing her own music and then was like okay well I'm gonna make my own music videos now and she has some badass music videos you should look one up yeah I'm gonna watch watch it right after oh my god yeah you gotta it's it's super sick yes um so you know there's people out there there's people that are you know shaking up the film industry with different perspectives and that's exactly what i think people need now yeah i mean not just like male and female perspectives but also someone that's used to was a man physically but identify as a female and transition over to a female they yeah. have a very unique per- perspective perspective as well yeah yeah so there's more perspective types I guess if you would say um, to consider and I mean this is a visual format and uh, an art form and it's a beautiful thing that coming from perspective can actually translate to something that's uh, very unique and uh Transcendent and could speak to um, a lot of people yep. in some ways that you didn't think you could understand. <clears throat> this has been episode 40. Women in film. We, uh, go to sip on this. You got to sip on this? Yeah, I do. Fuck. <laughs> I got to get going soon. Sure, you do. Sip, sip on this. That was creepy. Yeah, that was very creepy. What do you got? this. So I watched Talk About Filmmaking. I recently watched that. Uh, this came out like last year, November, but I got the chance to watch uh, Netflix's uh, Mank, M A N K, uh, which is a m- film directed by David Fincher and one of his relatives. Not sure which. How he, I think. I don't know. They share the same fucking last name, but they pretty much tell the story of the screenwriter um, Mank no that's his last name I think his first name is Hubert or something but the point no it's not Hubert (laughs) shout out to Hubert and they it's pretty much chronicles his time where he was um, in the film industry during the depression era and it goes back into where he was um, injured 
and was struggling with alcoholism after his fall from grace when he pretty much like offended William Randolph Hearst, which is the guy based on Citizen Kane. And he's the screenwriter of Citizen Kane. So he got inspired by that guy because he was a guy that was very outspoken and very eccentric. And he had a lot to say about, like, you know, the current political climate of that time. Uh, And it's definitely a lot of, like, criticism about what it means to be... (laughs) in charge or you know being a part of that one percent or they want one percent and this guy it's definitely an interesting watch um it's definitely a character study and it is portrayed by none other than probably one of the greatest character actors gary oldman gary oldman the old man himself the old man himself now he's old (laughs) and yes it's shot like it's a film from like the 40s from that time and one of the things that stand out not only because it's black and white is because it's actually the sound you know yeah and definitely the sound effect is like the one of the things I want to point out and uh, I hope it gets accommodated for that I hope it gets recognized for like what it did for that movie and the screenplay is actually pretty good because the way they uh, go to different places you know how like they transition to places and it tells you like oh you're in uh, you're in Boston Massachusetts uh, three years earlier or three years before whatever but it tells you in a way that it's written as a screenplay like external um, Paramount Studio 1933 flashback so it's written like a screenwriter because it's a movie about screenwriters right you know so definitely give it a watch especially if you're like a film junkie or a aficionado of like film history uh it's very entertaining and very technical about their things in this film and it's definitely a good watch so definitely good uh definitely watch it David Fincher um my sip on this I'm gonna do a short and sweet one because um, I'm a little pressed on time here, mm-hmm. but I've been looking on my um, on my feeds of social media, and everyone's talking about this new music video that Eminem just released one day ago. It has 2.2 million views already. His lyric video for Tone Deaf, which came out on his new album, Music to Be Murdered By, and. I'm looking at the cover right now, and that shit looks sick, and I'm going to watch it right now. Yeah, after so, this. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this has been a great episode. I mean, uh, this whole month we're going to be talking about women in all different types of crafts and industries. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is a totally good opportunity to get into topics that we wouldn't normally talk about. Right. You know? Um, we got some more coming your way. You can catch us on IG at Golden Craft Cast or at Golden Craft Run at gmail.com. If you want to email us, give us any feedback, any recommendation. We are now on Twitch as well. Same name, 
Golden Craft Cast. Ke- check us out. Same logo. We still got it going on. This video will be up for, I think, 12 days or so. Um, so, yeah, you can go back and look at our videos if you'd like. Yeah. Um, shout out to the breweries of today Pariah Brewery and, and North Coast. North Coast. Thank you for the wonderful beers. Uh, both delicious. I think colors was my favorite. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. So definitely. shout out to uh, Vanessa. Shout out to Hoover, which we're going to do an episode. Oh, yeah. Episode tomorrow. Um, Cinnabuns. Cinema Buns. Cinema Buns. Cinema Buns. Check them out on Instagram. We're going to be doing an episode with them tomorrow. We're going to be talking about WandaVision. The last episode. I'm watching it tonight. I'm ready. I'm excited. I can't wait. Um, and it's going to be a cool episode. I can't I can't wait to be a guest on their, yeah. their show for once. We're, we're guests. <laughs> we're guests. We're guests. We're finally one year in. We're, we're finally honored. guests. We're honored. <laughs> so um, catch us on their shit. Uh, it's going to be coming out probably next week, right? Sometime next week, yeah. Um, By the time you're, it, this episode's released, it should be out. Thank you for listening. And uh, cheers to the craft. Cheers to the craft. Cheers to uh, female directors. Yeah. Golden craft cast, baby. All right, fuck it. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. Bye. You want to say something? Speak up. Speak up, little cat. Say something. Tell me what you told me last time.